You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Good evening and thanks for joining me here on this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and on tonight's show, Manuela Spinelli discusses the annual programme of events hosted by Eurotalk, including the organisation's upcoming annual awards at Ashford Castle's Walled Garden. The Burnslow Food Festival took place at the weekend and I met Orla Meir who tells me about her award-winning square pudding and Dr Bill Schindler who was one of the speakers at the festival. Bill is a prehistoric and experimental archaeologist from Washington College in the US and a visiting professor at UCD this year and he totally enthralled the audience with his presentation Human Diet Learning to Eat Again. If at any point you'd like to get in touch with me here at the show, you can drop me an email to s.nunan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. So to start the show off tonight, our first guest is no stranger to the programme, having been a guest presenter a few years ago. Manuela Spinelli is the Secretary General with Eurotalk and I caught up with her during the Burr and Slow Food Festival at the weekend. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Manuela, you're with Eurotalk. You have a new role there. You're in it just nearly a year, I'd say, at this stage. What exactly is Eurotalk and what do you do for them? Hi, Sharon. Um, Well, thank you for having me, first of all. Uh, Yes, I've been with uh, Eurotalks. Well, I've I've been with Eurotalks for a long time, but I've taken over the role of Secretary General last year in um, May, end of May. So, yeah, in my new role uh, for nearly a year. So Eurotox is an association of like-minded chefs and cooks from all over Ireland. We have uh, about 150 members at the moment, but we're constantly growing. Um, The association welcomes um, associate memberships from small producers as well. The, The key objectives of the associations are to preserve Irish culinary heritage, to um, support traditional cooking methods and to promote local and artisan producers. The association was um, set up by Mrs. Myrtle Allen in 86 as part of an international organisation which uh, was originally founded by Mrs. Allen together with Paul Bocuse uh, of France, uh, Gualtiero Marchesi of Italy, Juan Maria Arzac of uh, Spain, and uh, Pierre Romayeur, Romayeur from uh, Belgium. And it was uh, originally set up in '86 uh, with the purpose to um, protect uh, local culinary cultures and heritage in a growing European environment where there was a risk of local tradition and local. Uh, growing and farming and producing methods may have gone uh, lost. Um, So Mrs. Allen then set up the Irish chapter of Eurotox and and this is what we are. And to be a member then, you have to meet certain criteria. You have to agree with the ethos of the organisation. Absolutely. So what what the organisation is uh, firmly... um, uh, based on our ethos and values and, and everything we do is based on our ethos and values. And so it's like I said, it's, you know, preserving the the tradition, the culture, the heritage, 
and basing our food on local seasonal produce as much as possible uh, whilst supporting our, our local producers. The head of the organisation then is a chef. He's called the commissioner. Correct. Uh, so we have a, a commissioner general. Our commissioner general is uh, Graham Neville of Dax Restaurant. Graham has been in, in his position. This is his third year. Uh, so he will, um, his mandate uh, will last for another year. We, we just had a, our, our annual AGM at which he was reconfirmed as commissioner general for another year. And then there is um, there's an executive committee um, made of six people and there are a number of standing committees, one that looks after, we, we call it the Food Council and it looks after everything that has to do with food produce, um, the relationship and the networking with small producers and a number of activities to support uh, local seasonal produce and and building a bigger network with uh, producers and then we have another standing committee which looks after events and uh, the young chef of the year competition um, and 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 then we have a number of working groups within these committees uh, so you mentioned the AGM there mm-hmm. which is one of the events that you run throughout the year and this year it was in Mount Juliet in Thomastown in County Kilkenny. So I would imagine the cuisine at all of the events is going to be of a very high standard yeah. but it has a Michelin star in the Mount Juliet restaurant there yes. so it must have been a fabulous spread. Yeah, so we what we try and do is move the AGM around the country in order to give as many people the opportunity to join. So one year it is in Dublin and one year it is in a location down the country. And this year we chose uh, Mount Juliet because it was a region where we had not been in a while. And um, we had a fantastic, uh, a fantastic two days actually because the AGM was extremely positive with a lot of chefs attending the AGM, a lot of positive energy, a lot of... Um, new ideas for the future, a solid direction and a clear plan for where we want to bring the organization in the future. So at the back of a very positive AGM, um, we then had a fabulous dinner um, at the Lady Ellen in Mount Juliet. Um, And as always, you know, we tried to we tried to explore uh, local produce as well as part of the menus and it was really a special occasion we 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 really enjoyed it uh, very successful and then at the back of that uh, we uh, next day we um, visited a number of producers in the area um, which is always great because we we try to tie in visits visits to producers with any activity that we run so we went to visit uh, Goatsbridge uh, Trout Farm and uh, then we went to visit a local cheesemaker called uh, Noctrina. And then we moved up, we went up to Carlo and visited uh, Gerike Escargo as Nails Farm. So it's just really interesting. It's a nice opportunity to, you know, get together and um, and explore what 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 our land has to offer really. So you're talking there about visiting producers and your next major event is your Food Awards. Yes, correct. Uh, Food Awards this year 
again, we try to rotate it. So last year they were held in Dublin. This year we're taking them to Ashford Castle. Um, their um, food awards are happening on the 28th of May in the Walled Garden. And uh, I've been uh, working with uh, the executive chef, uh, Philippe Farino, who is very much involved with our food council. And uh, we're really trying this year, we are really trying to grow the event and turn it into not just uh, an award ceremony, but a celebration of uh, food producers and products. And we want it to be an occasion for producers and chefs to come together and just let the food talk. So the awards ceremony will be held at uh, 2 p.m. And after that, we will just have a big celebration in the World Garden. We'll just have pig on the spit. We'll have some food for everybody. And it will be an opportunity for as many producers as possible to showcase their produce. So we've invited former winners. We've invited this year's nominees. And we've invited, obviously, the award-winning producers. Uh, but we really want to turn it into a, an occasion and a, a celebration of, of Irish food. Um, in terms of the process, uh, it, it is uh, what is unique about the Food Awards is that uh, these are the only awards which are um, nominate in which the producers are nominated by chefs. So it was it was born as uh, an idea of um, you know asking chefs what's your favorite product this year, what have you used in your kitchen, you know what what local producer have you discovered, and um, and and the the nominees are then um, we we look at them the food council. Um, we try and visit as many producers as possible. And uh, what's special about these awards is that they are nominated by chefs. And the basic criteria for the nominations are, first of all, whether they are wholesome and natural ingredients. Then we look at the taste and flavor. We look at the integrity of the production. We look at the um, relationship to, to the area, the locality, the provenance, the environmental sustainability. So all of these categories are taken into consideration when awarding um, the prize. Uh, and um, this year we have decided to invite all of the producers who have been nominated by chefs because uh, it's an opportunity for everybody to discover new new things. And you'd be surprised at how regional these gets. You know, so there are some small producers from, let's say, up in Mayo that are not known by uh, people in the south and vice versa. And so with also the, the launch of our new website, we are going to try and make all of this information available to our members. Um, just to increase the, uh, the the information that that we can share. Do you have different categories then for the awards? Yes. So we have been uh, really trying to define some categories, um, just in order to have consistency through the from year to from year on year. But it is it's it proves really really difficult because we're so spoiled for choice. So um, what we have decided to do is 
to look at um, categories in terms of the sea, the land, the soil, the farm, the craft. Uh, and so in the craft um, section, for example, we will look at somebody who um, is particularly um, is supporting um, a, a, a local or a traditional form of producing something. And, and then the sea, the land, the soil, we try to keep the categories as wide as possible in order to be able to then um, at least maintain uh, the same process from year on year. You've talked then about the AGM and you've talked about the Food Awards, which sound very exciting. Obviously, um, the winners' details won't be released until another few weeks. And then do you take a break for the summer and then you come back and the the Young Chef competition is in full swing? Yeah, um, I'd love to take a break, but we're going straight into um, Young Chef then. So we are opening the Young Chef competition at the beginning of June. As always, there's a long period of about four or five weeks where... Uh, it's for online applications, so that's very relaxed and it's just about basically getting the young chefs to enter the competition on the basis of uh, a theme which would be run, uh, it would be the running theme throughout the year. Um, and then we'll kick off with uh, activities um, as early as mid-July. Um, and the final this year is uh, is going to be on the 4th of November. So we've brought the final forward. It used to be at the end of November. We've decided to bring it forward uh, so that uh, the, the young chefs are not tied up with Christmas preparations already. So a few years ago, Mark Moriarty won that competition and he went on then to win a world young chef title as well like he was the best young chef in the world at the time that is very promising for the talent that we have here in Ireland with young people yes absolutely um, um well two completely different competitions but the the young chef the the Eurotox young chef competition which is presented by Larousse Foods is certainly a platform for these young chefs uh, to build on their future career. Uh, one of uh, the prizes is a stage. So we send them every year, we have a different guest judge um, of, of international standard. And every year the winner of the Eurotox Young Chef competition then goes on a stage in the restaurant of the visiting international chef. So Connor Alpenny who won last year's competition will soon in the next few weeks be traveling to the UK and will spend some time with Richard Corrigan um, in um, a couple of his restaurants. And then through Richard, he will have the opportunity to go into a couple of other UK kitchens. So it's a real opportunity to, you know, get out there, meet like like-minded people, but meet international internationally renowned chefs as well and get a real sense of what it is like to uh, to work at at an international level 
and Maeve, what was Maeve's second name? Maeve Walsh. She won it a couple of years ago and, and Nathan Outlaw was the right. stage and she's working there now yes, full time. That's right. Uh, so, and it's really interesting. And actually, when the website comes live next uh, next week, we're hoping to collect all of this information and and tell all of these stories because... Um, you know, if you look at uh, previous winners of the young of the Eurotox Young Chef competition, you have names like uh, Anna Ho or Nevin Maguire, um, Garod Lynch from the Old Post Inn, Mark Moriarty, uh, who went on to to win the world title. Uh, so it's really interesting, but it's not just about the winners. You know, we really want the competition to be not so much a competition, but a, an educational journey uh, for all those taking part in the competition. And from last year, uh, it's really, really, I'm really proud of, of the journey that these young chefs have, have gone on. And, you know, one of one of them has, has moved to Holland and is now working in a prominent restaurant in Holland. Um, as you said, um, Maeve is with Nathan Outlaw in Cornwall. Matt Logan, he's over in, Matt in is, New York. Yeah, well, no, Matt is back from New York now, actually, and he's up in Ox in Belfast. So we have one of the former winners, who um, Kieran Elliott, who works in Per Se in New York. And But there's so many more stories to, to be told of, of this young chefs who then went on to great things. And I think it's always great to see where they are now, yes. you know, a year, five years later and to Absolutely. see how successful they are. Absolutely. And to, obviously they got loads of benefits out of the, the competition because you're talking there about how important it is to have an education element to it. Last year at Food and the Edge, you used that for them to have a workshop with four yeah. very so, high profile chefs. Yeah, so we introduced, uh, last year we introduced a number of activities, um, two of which were in Ireland and one abroad. So the activities in Ireland included the young chefs, the 12 semi-finalists taking part in uh, food symposium, Food on the Edge, um, where um, we were given the opportunity to um, organize a small uh, seminar or talk with four prominent um, international chefs. So the 12 uh, semi-finalists had the opportunity to sit down around the table with Matt Orlando, with Isaac McHale, with... Um, uh, with Sasu Laukunen and with uh, David Burns. Uh, and it was, you know, it was really special for them because, uh, you know, it's not every day you get to to meet and talk to to such level of, of, of chefs. Um, as well as uh, taking part in Food on the Edge, we then organised an activity in Ireland, which was a meet and greet with the producers of the produce that were selected to be the key produce for the final. So we spent the day down at Killinor Castle and uh, they had the opportunity to basically get as much information as possible on uh, last year it was beef, it was um, Ballymackenny potatoes and it was uh, High Bank Orchards products, uh, selection of High Bank's uh, products. 
Um, and that was uh, the second activity. And then the third activity for the six finalists, we took them on a trip uh, to Italy and we flew out and we had breakfast in this fabulous patisserie in the old, in the old town of uh, Bergamo. And, um, and then from there we went for lunch at a three Michelin star restaurant, uh, Da Vittorio, also in the Bergamo area. And then we went to visit the vineyard, um, which was a Berlucchi. It, it's a, it's a nearby, about less than an hour's drive, and we flew back. And it, it was, you know, it was a, a really, 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 really great experience uh, for, for all involved. And, uh, you know, and that's what we're trying to do give them an experience that they will cherish and remember and that will help them grow. Um, I have no doubt you definitely achieve that <laughs> and much more because it is an incredible organisation and it does so much for the culinary industry in Ireland and especially those young people given the the chef crisis and the shortage that we have in yeah. Ireland here. You're really investing actually, so much. Interesting you say that because what we saw last year uh, was um, a trend that I'm hoping will continue this year. And it was young chefs who have been abroad coming back to Ireland to take part to the competition. And, and that's amazing. You know, it really means that, that we're doing something right. You absolutely are. If people want to find out about the winners of the Food Awards when they're revealed yeah. and if they're interested in entering the Young yeah. Chef Awards, where's the best place for yeah. them to go so, to? All of the information is available on our website, which is www.euro-talks, which is T-O-Q-U-E-S dot I-E. And I'm asked all the time, what does it mean? A talk is a chef's hat. Uh, and it's a French word for chef's hat, which is not exactly representative of what we are doing because we're trying to... Um, you know, for us, it's not about fine dining, but it's about good food based on local seasonal produce. Fantastic. Listen, thanks so much for talking to me today. Enjoy the awards. I'll be keeping an eye out now to see who the winners are and I'll let all the listeners know and uh, best of luck with it. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, I was talking to Manuela Spinelli, Secretary General with Eurotalk. If you're just tuning in now and you missed that interview, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. The podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And it's also on the taste.ie website. Voted Ireland's best online digital Digital food and drink magazine. Still to come tonight, Dr. Bill Schindler gave a presentation at the weekend at the Burnslow Food Festival in Listonvarna in County Clare about our culinary past and the audience were really engaged by his findings and it generated much discussion during the Q&A session. 
Bill will tell us more about that later. Next, though, we are going to hear from one of County Clare's award-winning producers. Orla Meir and her family were one of a number of traders at the festival at the weekend. I can highly recommend the caramelised onion and black pudding sausage rolls. Orla sneaked away outside with me for 10 minutes to talk to me and tell me about the Meir family story in food production. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Hi, my name is Orla Meir from Meir's Power Products in Quinn County Clare. Tell us a bit about the company and how it all started. Well, it all started on the 6th of June 1975. It was my dad and my Uncle Ali started it. They opened their first butcher shop in uh, Ennis, in the High Street in Ennis. And um, my dad had a real keen interest in making good quality black pudding. Um, His own mother was renowned for it, um, which was very normal back then. Everyone made their own pudding. And uh, she showed my dad how to make it. And he continued it on in the butcher shop and it was a huge success. Um, And it went from there. It started nearly to take over the butcher shop. So they made a decision, the two brothers, to make two businesses out of it. So my dad um, moved out of the butcher shop and opened a self-contained unit at home, uh, which was our garage at home, (laughs) and uh, started making pudding and sausages, our own homemade pudding and sausages um, in Quinn. And uh, the unit is still there today and it's still the same unit we use today. Whenever he went bigger production, Mm. was that so that he could sell it to more people than just in the butcher shop? Was it to go into the trade as well as the public? Correct. So it never had been uh, commercialised. It wasn't on the shelves. So he only used to make it. And what he used to, it's a square pudding, if you're um, not familiar with it. Um, So it was very unique. And he used just to have it like in big blocks in the butcher shop. And people would come in and just cut off whatever they wanted and they weighed it and sold it like that. So it was like so loose. Um, so we packaged it and um, in, it was a pound, an old pound then weight and uh, vacuum packed it, which was uh, very, oh, he was one of the first vacuum packers in Ireland. It was like something out of this world. Everyone has one now. And um, we sell it then on the shelves. So he bought a van, put the pudding into the back of the van, refrigerated it and drove around County Clare selling it to all the shops himself. So he must have invested a lot of money then getting the packaging the branding, yeah. the logo yeah. and then yeah. obviously the, the equipment to do all of that. Yeah, uh, along with educating his five children um, oh, but he was he was way ahead of his time he was a serious entrepreneur, he was forever, you know, dibbling and dabbling, buying houses, selling houses he'd buy a house to do something and then he was always at something, you know, he never he never sat down. At what point did you come into the business? Oh my god, I was, I was born into it, I was born the following March <laughs> so it started in the June. I was born in the March and uh, I just presumed everybody made black pudding in, and sausages in the back of their house. So I used to be, I was um, baby number four out of five children. The two older boys were doing their leave inserts, the Irish twins. And my sister um, was a uh, young teenager, wanted nothing to do with it. And I um, I used to love it. I, I, I thrived in it. Um, so I used to work every evening after school for him. He'd come pick me up from school. Um, he'd have the pudding made and he'd cut it and I used vacuum pack it for him so I used my I had a little hand so I used to be able to put it into the bags really quick and I used vacuum it and label it and put it into the columns room um, and I loved it because I hated school I hated the homework so the trade-off was I'd vacuum pack his buttons for him if he'd done my homework and it worked a treat. 
<laughs> Hence you, why I'm a dinger at vacuum buttons, but I'm no good at internet. <laughs> and so you've been working at it ever since? Ever since. Oh, I've done my teenage thing like and went, I'm not doing this anymore, the usual. Um, no more than any other teenager or any other child in a family business. Uh, took a fit. Um, he educated me well. Um, I went off, I studied and I went off around the world for 10 years. I disappeared. Uh, but then one uh, Christmas, um, I was hitting towards 30. I was had a beautiful house in London. I was married and uh, I just for the first time ever in my life, uh, I got a pang of homesickness and I uh, said it to my husband and uh, he went, come on, pack my bag, went home. I rang him and told him. And he, uh, he was sure he was delighted. He was going, lovely, I'll retire in a few years then and you can step in. So uh, home I went and uh, that was that. That was, oh, 13 years ago. And what changes did you make to the company whenever you came into it? A lot of changes because at the time he'd stopped making pudding and he had concentrated on making sausages. He loved making sausages. They were his, his thing. And... Um, I, uh, he'd stopped making the pudding because he was, oh, it, it just drove him mad. He was going, no, it's too messy, it's too long-winded. Uh, and I stepped back in and started making the pudding again. Um, he didn't want it to be made into the old-fashioned square way that we did. So we forked out a load of money for a chopping machine. Everyone else had a chopping machine. Um, it never worked. So there was, oh, we had disasters when I went home first. And uh, then one day um, I said, that's it, we have to make it the old way. And then it just went from there and that was that and that's one of the unique features of it absolutely of course it is he was the first man in Ireland to make square pudding um, and it was by accident he ran out of time one Christmas inside the butcher shop and he put it into a hand press and they boiled it in an oven and that's how they used to um, do it originally they used to put it out it was the shape of a ham it wasn't the shape of a pudding at all and um he just cut it from there and then when we went to commercialise it, obviously we, we went to, we'd make it square. We put it into tins. Tell me about the ingredients in your puddings. Okay, we use a really high pour content pudding, um, which is very unusual. Most puddings are only about 16-18%. We use 55-60% to 60% pork. We don't add fat into it, so we use good high quality pork. We use onions, fresh seasoning, everything's fresh. Um, very simple, very basic. If you look at our labelling, it's, it's very clear. There's only like four or five ingredients in it. Uh, you've got your pinhead oatmeal, which is your tiny grain. We don't use a lot of it because an awful lot of other puddings, you know, are very hard. Um, and it's it's not. If you taste ours, uh, the texture is very soft. So we hold back on the grains where most people would put an awful lot of grain in. And we've upped the pork contents in them. So. And you've I can't tell you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you've picked up a few awards along the way. Just a couple to keep us going. So again, like that, um, being the next generation, um, I spoke to, um, I was with Tesco's actually at the time, up in head office, uh, Barry was, and uh, he turned around and he said, um, why don't you put it in for an award? Come back to me when you've won an award. And uh, we'd never gone in for any anything like that before and we were 40 year old business and uh, we decided to put in for an award so we put in for everything so we went to Blossom Herring we went to the Irish Quality Food Awards all in the one year just to see solely and honestly now this is hand on my heart um, to see the critique to see where are we going where are we wrong are we right is the spice right is the packaging right we're after rebranding again how many times did we rebrand um, put everything in and the first um, awards we went to were the Irish Quality Food Awards we put in for two uh, the, we put the two puddings in the two square puddings in and we put in for two awards and we came home with three we won Best Small Producer straight off the bat went down to Blossom Heron the following week won all round us again came home and every competition since then 
How does that make you feel? Bursting with pride. <laughs> but it took us 40 years. But uh, it was but never... it didn't really take you 40 no, years because no, you hadn't no. entered anything no, before. No, we'd never. It like, took it, you 40 seconds, really. Really, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Um, so we didn't, uh, you know... Oh, great. You know, and it made such a difference. And then last year we won Best Small Producer for Dunn Stores. So we got a golden queue. So we now start with the Simply Better range in September uh, for Dunn Stores. Um, massive has changed the company has changed everyone's outlook everyone you know everything for everybody it's a big difference you've talked there about investment and equipment Mm. money for branding Mm. packaging Mm. labeling all of those different Mm. things awards what advice would you give to a new small producer just starting out now go straight to your local enterprise office because they'll help you even if it's just financially they'll help you too um but even just for because there's days where you think what am i doing am i mad could i not just go and get a normal nine to five job but you can't help it it's in you it's bred into you and you'll keep going and you'll keep doing it uh, but definitely visit your local enterprise office if they're worth any good at all which they are they're brilliant they'll help you straight off because there's so many courses um grants available to you um and even just to go in to give out to them as well you know to, you know they let you <laughs> and do you see your children coming into the business absolutely they're in the market inside now working I have a daughter and um, it's always the girls why is it always girls yeah I think we know the answer to that <laughs> yeah there we go it's always the women that do all the work isn't it uh, she's hugely keen uh, clever kid um, and she's she goes to Dingle with us um, she's now 11 going on 12 uh, she comes down to Blossom Heron I take them out of school for it it's an education in itself bringing them down to it they thrive and they're being reared in it as well because not alone is there my parents house um, as I said the unit is at the back which is converted garage then I converted uh, old and outer building is my own home so it's we're like a commune <laughs> so well, we're all living together it's a lovely in harmony <laughs> it's a lovely story thanks so much for, for telling me it today and continued success for the future thank you very much thank you You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, we heard from Orla Meir, an award-winning food producer who was selling her wares at the Burren Slow Food Festival at the weekend. And earlier in the programme, Manuela Spinelli, Secretary General with Eurotalk, gave us an insight into the organisation and how the food awards operate. And we look forward to finding out their chosen award-winning food producers later in the month. If you're just tuning in, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And it's also on the taste.ie website. Voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. So finally, tonight, we're going to hear from our final guest. Dr. Bill Schindler is a prehistoric and experimental archaeologist from Washington College in the US and a visiting professor at UCD this year. He was part of the lineup of speakers at the weekend during the Burren Slow Food Festival and he enthralled an audience with his presentation, Human Diet, Learning to Eat Again. I got a chance to talk to him after his talk. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Bill, a very interesting talk there. Human diet, learning to eat again. Just summarise it very quickly for us. 
So, so the idea is, in order to understand uh, our, our modern diets and where the, the, the decisions we should be making as we move forward when we, when we talk about human diet and health and sustainability, that I like to look into the past to get information about how our changing diets over time literally made us who we are biologically and culturally. And I think we can get a lot of information from that and understand how we should be eating better today. So a lot of people will think it's the key of man, the paleo diet, but it's a bit more complex than that. Sure, and one of the reasons it's more complex than that is because it's not just about the food, it's understanding why these foods are important to us. It's about the context. So understanding how our technologies in the past changed the food processed food before it went into our bodies is kind of the key to all of this. So things like fermentation, for example, or coagulating milk or, or cooking, how those things can transform the food to make our body, make it easier for our bodies to digest that food and get the nutrients from it. That's, that's the key. And you certainly practice what you preach at home because you're very particular about the foods that you have at home yourself. Yes, certainly. So uh, we make every, literally everything that we did home entirely from scratch, from, uh, from our bread to all of our cured meats, our cheeses, all of it we make from scratch ourselves. You're a visiting professor in Ireland at UCD. You're yes. from Washington College. Yes. Do you find that it's easier to practice that diet in Ireland than back in America or vice versa? That's a great question. Uh, it's, it's different. So some of it's easier and some of it's more difficult. Um, you have incredible raw materials, resources here in Ireland. That we, I mean, The milk here is absolutely incredible. Um, some of the foraging is easier here. You have great plants, great animals, great access to all sorts of things. Uh, what's different, the one thing that's a little bit different here is um, we, we do a lot of hunting at home. And the ability for us to hunt as a new person in Ireland is it's, it's, it's a little bit problematic. We haven't been once this year. So we do a lot of it at home, and uh, we haven't been able to do that here. But you're, you're otherwise, you have some incredible raw materials. And whenever you do that hunting, then you're able to do the nose-to-tail butchery on it because we saw you on Big Week on the farm on RTE recently, and you have something coming up in Airfield in a week or two. Yeah, so it's, it's a full nose-to-tail uh, demonstration and discussion with the head of the uh, Italian Culinary Institute, Chef John Ochita. Uh, and the idea is, yeah, we, we do. Uh, all of the animals that we either kill ourselves or we buy directly from the farmers at home, we, we do a full nose to tail on and use every part of that animal for, for something. You can tell whenever you're talking about your subject that you are really passionate about it and your, your official title is you're a prehistoric and an experimental archaeologist. Yes. You're, all, you're obviously also an accomplished butcher as well. Where does one go to acquire all these skills? And... Was it something growing up that made you think that this is what you wanted to do as a career? Yeah, I still don't know what I want to do as a career. But now, yeah, exactly. So the, the idea is, as anything, one of the best things that I've ever done growing up and learning, having learning what I am passionate about is to find experts in each one of these fields to study under. So uh, with experimental archaeology, where we learned to replicate technology of the past, I sought out some of the best flint nappers in the world, for example, stone tool makers like Eric Callahan and Jack Presson, um, and learned under them. Uh, but it's certainly my education has not been a traditional one because at the same time I'm learning how to make stone tools and excavate archaeological sites, I'm interested in butchering and fermenting and bread making. So the same thing, I've, I've sought out masters to learn from. And you are certainly a master of what you're talking about today. Like the audience was enthralled and they were very engaged at the end, asking so many questions. Were you surprised about that? I was surprised that they were th that interested and, and some of the questions were amazing. But no, the, the, when we talk about food, and, I, and if you can do it at a level that, that breaks it down to its most basic form, I think everybody wants to learn more. Now, your, your year in Ireland is nearly up. Yeah. And whenever you go back, you're going back to the Eastern Shore Food Lab. 
Yes, so we're launching. I, I, I leave in August. I've been, uh, by that point, I will have been in Ireland for a year, my family and I, and it's been a magnificent experience. But when we get back, I'm launching the Eastern Shore Food Lab at Washington College. It's modeled in part after the Nordic Food Lab uh, in Copenhagen. But the idea is that we are we're focusing on connecting people with their food um, and local resources and finding brand new ways to forge a new path forward with human diet and health and sustainability. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. So do you believe very much in the, the whole saying you are what you eat? Certainly, yes. Fantastic to talk to you today. A really, really interesting um, discussion there. If people want to find out more about your projects, is there a website they can go to? Sure. The, the project that I'm working on here in Ireland for the year is the Food Evolutions Project, and that can be, uh, information on that can be found at www.foodevolutions, F-O-O-D-E-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.org. So foodevolutions.org. My uh, personal website is uh, ancestralinsight.com. And the Washington College is washcall.edu, and you can find our food lab on there. Fantastic. Well, listen, enjoy the rest of your stay in Ireland. Thank you very much. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. And that was Dr. Bill Schindler, prehistoric and experimental archaeologist from Washington College in the US and visiting professor at UCD, talking about his presentation, Human Diet, Learning to Eat Again. And that brings us to the end of tonight's programme. Thanks again to all of my guests, Manuela Spinelli, Orla Mir and Dr Bill Schindler. Thanks to you for listening and don't forget to get in touch with your food and drink news, recipes and events. Email me on s.noonan at live.ie. Until next week, bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with the best possible taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.